Hello out there in podcast land. It's me, Andrew Winnestorfer, the host of VMP Anthology this season, devoted to Miles Davis and his electric years. I'm coming to you live from the Holiday Inn on Van Ness Avenue in San Francisco. The morning after I saw the second night of a Miles tribute that leaned heavily on his electric years. And I'm recording this in my hotel room. So if you hear (laughs) background music from anybody, uh, it's the housekeepers who are doing their their run on my floor. But I, I felt like I needed to record this while it was fresh and before I go home back to my basement studio in St. Paul, Minnesota, because I think I've realized that despite executive producing this box, the electric years, and being uh, assigned the hosting duties of this podcast, that no amount of research or listening or spending time with Miles's nephew, who you'll hear from on this podcast, no amount of time is going to make me an expert that can convey to you some hidden understanding, some unlocked key to these records that are in this box, the seven LPs. These records are the most confounding, adventurous, daring, any billowy adjective you want to use that I have ever listened to in my life. I started listening to Bitches Brew as a 12-year-old, hearing that Miles Davis is one of the best musicians ever, and not knowing that Bitches Brew was not how he always sounded. And to be honest, I don't know that 25 years later, I actually understand Bitches Brew any better. I know that every time I listen to it, there is something new revealed. There is some new vista that I hadn't noticed. And seeing last night the Miles Electric Band, which his nephew Vince is a part of and leads, they did some of the stuff from Bitches Brew. And again, it's just like, it's clear that like, I I can't get a handle on this in a way that will allow me to make a podcast for you that is going to be very linear and is like, this is the story of Miles's electric years. Because to be honest, I don't think anybody knows what he was really doing. We all have theories. We all have ideas. We know that he was listening to a lot of Stockhausen at the time. We know that he uh, was tired with the you know, bop and post-bop thing. And he had seen Sly and the Family Stone and Jimi Hendrix and was like, I can do this better, and was challenged in that way. But like, you know, these albums were crafted with tape slicers and loops, and I just, I, you know, I, I just don't think that there is going to be a realistic podcast in earnest that actually tries to uh, convince you that the host is some kind of expert because I think that if you got 10 music theorists on this podcast, they would give you 10 different answers for what Miles was up to here. And so for that reason, 
This season of the podcast, I am deciding live and in living color in my hotel room. I'm looking at horrible hotel art right now. I'm deciding that this podcast is just going to be devoted to that searching. I'm not going to try to be some kind of expert for you on this. Even though I listen to these records obsessively to curate an A&R this box and to executive produce it, I'm not an expert. And that's what's so exciting to me about this box is that you can spend tons of time listening to this and never get to the bottom. And so this season of the podcast will be devoted to me talking to people and we will revel in that not being able to get to the bottom. We're just going to talk about these records and admire them and talk about our theories. This is not going to be some linear history podcast. This is not going to be a season like the Vanguard where there's a separate episode about each record with some expert. I just don't think that that's the way that we would serve you best as VMP Anthology podcast listeners. You guys are going to be getting this box as you listen to this, and you're going to be trying to figure out yourselves what was going on. And so think of this as sort of like a book club. We're just all getting on to talk about what we think was happening here. So I'm really excited for this season, and we'll see what happens going after this because as i record this i have no idea welcome to vmp anthology podcast plug in It's me again, Andrew, and I am back uh, two months and a week or so later from when I recorded that intro, and I am here to tell you about the first episode of this season of the VMP Anthology podcast devoted, of course, to Miles Davis's electric period. By now, you hopefully have the box in your hands and are as blown away by this one as we are, Uh, and so we're here, like I said earlier to give you just sort of uh, a deeper appreciation of this box, what went into making it. And then I talk with uh, a couple of people about how they feel about the electric period, what they're hearing. Like I said, up top, I did not want to spend the next eight months chasing my tail, talking to a hundred different people, telling you a hundred different ways to feel about these records because ultimately how you feel about these records is going to be entirely up to you. And that is what the beauty of them at all is. That's why anybody listens to electric period. It's because you can take out of it, whatever you want. It could be the meanest records you've ever heard. They could be the most adventurous. They can be everything all at once. Like the movie said. So to that end, this first episode of this season I spent Memorial Day weekend bopping around the city of San Francisco for the first time in my life, uh, chasing Vince Wilburn Jr. to a variety of Miles Davis anniversary performances and ultimately watching his band, the Miles Electric Band, 
quite frankly, tear shit down. It was an unbelievable set from them. There was a Miles in India night the night before. That was unbelievable. Some of the best concerts I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I, you know, was chasing Vince around San Francisco. If you don't know, Vince is Miles's nephew, and he is the drummer on The Man with the Horn. Miles heard that his nephew was obsessed with jazz, got his nephew's band involved in playing, and ultimately cast them to be his studio band. And that started Vince's long career in music. He, uh, you know, is is primarily these days. He's playing with Miles Electric Band. He's playing with with a variety of bands, but then he's also, you know, really overseeing his uncle's output, his his vault. He he talks in this interview about what it was like to you know hold these tapes in his hands and find a bunch of stuff. So. I went to the four seasons where Vince was staying overseeing the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, which if you have not been there, I cannot recommend it enough. That is a a, a piece of, uh, of architecture that is impo- as impossible as the Miles Electric period records. It was unbelievable to see that in real life. The pictures do not do it justice. It's crazy. So I'm sitting in the hotel. There's candles burning. We're watching the end of an F1 race. And me and Vince talk about Miles' electric years, his his journey in music, what it's like to play these records, and maybe hinting at what could come next from your friends of Vinyl Me Please and Miles Davis. So without further ado, here's me with Vince Wilburn Jr. First off, we're here in San Francisco for a weekend, you know, celebrating Miles. What is it like for you as somebody who played with Miles to come to these kind of weekends and like, you know, spend this weekend playing and honoring your uncle? Well, Andrew, I feel like it's it's a uh, it's a blessing. You know, it's a blessing to um, represent one of the greatest artists that ever walk the planet Mm -hmm. you know I call him a superhero and when I was younger I didn't know the magnitude of of his his presence because he was just Uncle Miles you know (laughs) right but as I I, uh, got older got more into the music and studied it and listened to it and 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 dissected it and ingested it and you know I was like wow you know Mm-hmm. And it's still, I'm still like that now to this day, you know, like, you know, like when I was learning and getting into it as a kid. Right. You know, and I still have that, that thirst. Mm-hmm. You know, so. What do you think you appreciate about his music more now? Like, you know, this many years on from when you first started playing with him? I think that the music, I think that the music speaks for itself and, it, and it's, it's forever evolving. And you know, when you think you have him in a corner and you think you have, you think you had Uncle Miles figured out, he's moved on to something else, mm-hmm. you know, like a chameleon, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of, of his, of his, of his legacy, in my opinion, right. my personal opinion. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And it just seems like you could spend your life 
studying his music. Yeah, it definitely. Like you could spend, oh, yeah. spend your life oh, yeah. and maybe never completely get it, right? Man, after, we, after we're gone, there's still more music in the vaults and then there's still more to... You know, like when I hear things from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, I'm like, wow. For me, it's excitement. It's vigorating, you know, it's refreshing. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like a Miles commercial, but it's, it's um, when we play it, it's, it's, it's fresh. And when I listen to it, it's fresh. It never gets old, never gets stale. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Right. Yeah, and last night, so I was at the show last night, the Miles from India thing. And that was something that really stuck out to me. It was like, I have heard some of the stuff, you know, that you, they played and you played last night mm-hmm. hundreds of times mm-hmm. in my life already. Mm-hmm. And then to like hear it in this new context, I'm like... I don't know that I completely understood <laughs> this music yeah, yeah. now. You know? well, wasn't it beautiful? It was. You know? That's the thing. It's like it's always opening. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. It's like- and we never know. You know, we never know how, how the audience is going, will react. But it's, it's, it's always favorable. And it's always like it's like a, it, we, we're on a journey and they're on a journey with us. You know, and that's the beauty of the music. Right. You know? And it's yeah. So it's like the audience is always different. Miles' music is always different. Mm -hmm. The person listening is always different. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I think as I've gotten more into like working on this box set that we're doing, that's the thing that like, I thought I kind of knew. And I'm like, (laughs) now I'm like accepting, like, I don't know anything. (laughs) It's a masterclass. I call it Miles Davis University. Yeah. Just to even spend any time. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Right. Right. So you're, you know, here tonight as part of the Miles Electric Band. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys just put out that incredible EP, you know, really mm-hmm. love it. Like, mm-hmm. what about the electric period is so exciting for you as like a musician now making new, new music? Well, um, it's, 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 we build off the things that, that Uncle Miles taught us, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's co-produced by Lenny White and myself, and and a lot of musicians that played on the record either play with Miles, or or you know or love Miles, mm-hmm. you know. So I would like to think that it's it's the, the, the period, it's the, it's the things that Uncle Miles taught us, and now we're applying it, you know. Yeah. And um, if that makes sense, it totally um, does. Um, yeah. I, I like the, all the periods of Uncle Miles. You know, it's just. This is the topic is the electric period, right? right. But but I listened to the, the acoustic period, the electric period. My dad used to have parties in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, and his boys would come over, and he, he would have arguments about what they wanted to. You know, his boys would say, "Well, man, Vince, I'm Vince Jr. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hear the electrics. We don't understand that music. Let's put the acoustic on." My dad was like, "No, this is my house. We're gonna play what I want to hear." So he would play the electric or the acoustic, you know, depending mm-hmm. on how the mood he was in, you know. Mm-hmm. But I love it all. It's just that 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 what we're doing now is we're we're, we're using the 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 the, 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 uh, the tools that Uncle Miles, you know, was we were given, and just 
making this this new 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 brew. Right. You know? Yeah, you're you know? really it's the building blocks that he yeah, gave you yeah, that has now yeah, yeah. led to this new thing. Yeah, man. And yeah. so how have the shows and stuff been going with the behind this new EP? Like how is Well yeah. well this is this we're gonna play a couple of maybe one or two songs for, from the E P tonight. Okay. Uh, the record just re- was released in April mm-hmm. for Record Store Day. Right. So we're looking forward to to touring in the fall to to uh, Oh great. Yeah, yeah, to support it. Great. Yeah. What about the electric period do you feel like you're still learning right now you know playing building on these building blocks that you got when you played with them in the 80s like what is what is like surprising and new to you now well you know it's one thing to witness it you know and not be in the band you know there's an and then there's another thing to be in the band and witness it you know when i saw it as a as a teenager I remember the it was the Auditorium Theater in Chicago, and they were playing uh, music from um, Agartha. I remember I was like mesmerized because it was Al and Michael Henderson and Reggie Lucas and and Mtume and and Dave Liebman. Once he came with Dave Liebman, then once with Sonny Fortune, Pete Cozy. It was like. Okay. You know, if you want to do, you know, we can talk about the uncuts yeah. and the, 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 you know, the gems or the vault, you know. There's, there's just, it's so much music because Uncle Miles at the time, he never let the tape stop, you know. Right. So when we were in the studio back then, which you probably can't do now, mm-hmm. the tape just ran because he said there were they're, they're ideas and, and, and side of ideas, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, man. Yeah. He yeah. had to have run the most tape then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. But uh-huh. some of the greatest music came out of those tapes. Right. Yeah. And are still coming out. Right. You know. Yeah, that's so. incredible. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I guess, what was it like to be a teenager and have him ask you to come play with him? No, tell me to come, not ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like you get, it, do you get a phone call or is no, it, it we were person it, it was just it was just you know it was, it was time you know because we, we did Man with the Horn in 79, 80 but mm-hmm. we had a band in Chicago right and we were rehearsing in, in, in my parents house and he would call and and we would rehearse five ten days a week and on the weekends we played gigs but if you know kept our, if we kept our grades up so he would call after rehearsal every day or most of the you know most of the time we were rehearsing we were, we were rehearsing and have my mom back then we had these long coil cords in the kitchen so oh, we yeah. would reach all the way yeah yeah yeah, yeah down okay. down to the basement and he'd have he sit my mom would set the phone down then after we rehearse he'd listen for a while and then we pass he'd pass, he said let me talk to everybody and he critique us wow and this went on for about three or four weeks and then you know after a few of those critiques. He said, you all want to make a record? And we were like, yes. Uh-huh. And they flew us to New York, and that was Man with the Horn. You know, wow. That was 1979, 80. Uh-huh. Uh, we, and we recorded with T.O. and Stan Tonkel, the famous you know, engineer uh-huh. and, and producer. And, and I remember Gil used to, Gil Evans uh-huh. used to come and just chill in the corner and just check us out. You know, and you're check, just, you're oh, but it was happening. You know what? Right? It was happening so fast, Drew. Right. Andrew, yeah. so, you know, it's like, you, you know, it's like 
Okay, okay, what's next? What's next? We were happy just getting room service in the kind of, you know, <laughs> right. like Sheridan Center Hotel, you uh-huh. know, limos, and yeah. and we were, we rehearsed at his house, at his brownstone, you know. Mm-hmm. And SIR, which is Studio and Cement Rentals, would send all this gear, and mm-hmm. oh man, we were, we were like, you know, kids from Chicago. Right. You know, so yeah. when your time is called, it's time to do it. Okay, so there you have it. That was me and Vince talking about Miles and his legacy. Uh, That's it for this episode of the podcast. Up next, you will hear me talk with Clay Condor and Steven Anderson, two guys who co-produced this box alongside me. And we get into Miles and what it took to make this box set. So in the meantime, spin those records, listen to more of get up with it, listen to more in a silent way, dive into these records and really take time to appreciate them. We'll be back very, very soon in your podcast feeds, perhaps right now. Let's take it to the credits. This season of the VMP Anthology Podcast is hosted, written, and produced by Andrew Winnesorfer. It's produced and edited by Jim Hankey of the Vinyl Emergency Podcast. A special thanks to Zach Sony and Vince Wilburn Jr. for letting us talk to him for this podcast. Thanks for buying the Miles Davis Anthology and thanks for listening. And before we go, remember, listen to more Dark Magus. <laughs>